All right. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good, good. It's good to see all of you. Glad you're here this morning as we wrap up and conclude the Undivided series together. How many of you have been enjoying this series so far? Good, good. I have really loved it. I've loved walking through it with you. And I'm just, I'm glad to be back up here again, sharing with you, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've had some other people up here speaking, which has been wonderful. Uh, And I'm so thankful that we have a preaching team here, but I also love being back up here. And and every time I'm not preaching, I just can't wait to get up here again. And this will be a little different than normal, but we'll get back to some normal stuff in a couple weeks. Of course, we've got Easter coming up here, so that'll be kind of a mini series in there. And then we're going to get back into the book of Mark for a little while, and that's going to be great. But I love the fact that we have a preaching team here. I'm so thankful to John and Don for preaching with us and... um, I just think that it's really, really healthy that we have a preaching team here in this church for a lot of different reasons. One of those reasons is that it allows me to get out during the service and see what else happens here on Sunday, which is really valuable because a lot of pastors, if they're the only guy that ever speaks in their church, they never get to go out and see what's going on in the kids area, in the students area, in the different classes and groups. And so I've been able to do that the last couple of weeks. That's been really helpful for me to understand the whole kind of church life and what happens here. It's also healthy for my family to not have me constantly in preaching mode every week because there is a a mode that you go into that week getting ready for that. And so it's really healthy for your family. It's healthy for our church to have multiple voices speaking into things. And you're going to see some more guys up here in the next few months. You're going to see Andrew and Steve and Nathan. They're all going to have chances to share as well. And one of the distinctives of a preaching team is that it's not just when I'm on vacation, they come in and fill in for a Sunday, but we're actually working together, coordinating on our messages. And so we are all learning and growing and getting better at what we do together. It's just a wonderful thing. Another thing that it allows us to do because we have a preaching team here is for me to take some time to go invest in personal and pastoral growth. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been able to go to a couple different gatherings of pastors. Don, John, and I went together to a regional gathering of pastors here in kind of the Midwest area. And then this last week, I spent most of the week at a national pastors gathering where some of the largest churches send their senior pastors to go share and learn from each other. And I got to learn from these guys that have, you know, 30 years of experience in ministry. And I feel like in the last week, I've jumped ahead 10 years in ministry experience, just from learning from everything they had to share and just incredible amount of wisdom and knowledge that they just openly and transparently shared what they've done well, what they've done poorly, what we need to learn, you know, not to do here. It was just so valuable. And one of the things that they really emphasized was you need to have a preaching team in your church for the health of your church to be developing and raising up other people and for the health of your family as a pastor. So I'm just so incredibly thankful for the preaching team that we have here and excited that we've been able to go through this series together and and Don and John have, have preached throughout that with us. And now we get to wrap it up and we're gonna conclude in a little bit of a different way here. Um, We're going to wrap up our buckets discussion. I'm just going to give you a little bit of review and overview. In case you haven't been with us this whole time, this is going to seem a little odd. So this is not our normal format for a Sunday, but you got to view this 
message time today, not as a standalone message, but really as the conclusion to all the messages that we've been covering over the last few weeks. So let me just give you a quick review. We've been talking about the buckets of belief. Most of you are probably familiar with those. By now we have dogma, doctrine, conviction, and preference. And here's just a a brief recap of what each of those means. Dogma, beliefs established by the Bible as incontrovertibly, that means obvious and provable, incontrovertibly true and essential to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then there's doctrine, which are beliefs that a church or a group, an organization considers to be biblical truth, essential for unity and fellowship. Conviction, personal beliefs based on godly principles, but not mandated for everyone. And preferences, these are personal opinions that are not directly supported in the Bible. And I wanted to take a different angle on this as well. This is something that I wrote down this week just as a way to try to help explain how these buckets work and make them a little easier to understand. So dogma, you have to believe this to be saved. Doctrine, you have to believe this to be biblically sound, biblically right, biblically accurate, according to our church. Conviction, you have to believe this to be personally faithful to how God is leading you. And preferences, you have to believe this to be human, because we all have our different preferences. Now, we always say that we want to focus on the essentials and allow for liberty in the non-essentials. The problem is, who gets to determine what goes in each of those categories? And that's what this series is all about. Not trying to walk through each individual area and tell you this goes in this bucket, this goes in this bucket, this goes in this bucket, but to give a framework and principles that are based on God's word that we can use to apply to whatever belief, whatever situation we have. It's not always easy. It raises all kinds of challenging things that we have to wrestle through, and that's what we're going to try to cover a little bit of this morning. This morning, we are going to do a panel discussion. And I'm going to invite Don and John to come up with me on the stage. And we are going to wrestle through some issues in real time before your very eyes. So you can see some of the challenges that we deal with when we're talking about these issues. Now, I just want to be clear here, give some caveats to this. Um, I'm so thrilled by how engaged all of you have been in this series. And we keep getting message after message and people coming up to us and saying, we've never thought about this before, but it's changed the way I think now and the way we talk and my family's conversations are different. And just the overwhelming feedback of positive uh, reaction to this series is really great to see. Um, And even this last week, as I was at this pastor's gathering, we got to share what we're doing right now. And several of the pastors came up to me afterward and said, hey, can you send me all the notes? Because we want to do this in our church. So there are several other churches around the country that later on will be going through the Undivided series. And we're sending them all of our notes and videos and graphics and things so they can kind of work with that and, and do the exact same thing we're doing here. To my knowledge, none of them have done anything like this. And I think it's so valuable for us, so healthy for us as a church be going through this together. One other cool thing I mentioned in the first service, I I, I forgot to mention earlier here, while I was at this pastor's gathering, um, there were some really neat things that that happened while I was there. And one of them is that on the way back to the airport, I got to have a 35-minute conversation, actually it turned into a 45-minute conversation, with my Uber driver. And the day before, he had had a spiritual crisis of sorts. He had gone to the beach and he had been praying, crying out to God, God, would you show me something? I feel like there's something missing in my life. And the very next morning at like 5.30 in the morning, he's the one who's taking me to the airport. And it's about a 30 minute drive. We end up sitting in front of the airport for maybe 15 or 20 minutes afterward. Um, I don't know if he left the timer running or not. I wasn't paying attention. But 
we talked all about spiritual things. I got to share my faith with him. He shared what he's wrestling through with me and he prayed and trusted Christ right there in the car. So yeah, praise God. It's just, it's awesome to see him at work in these different areas. And on the way back, I got to talk to a young lady who lives right here, just down the road. And she's, she's not going to church or anything like that. She's kind of far from God right now, but she was extremely curious about kind of what we believe and why and, and grew up with a different understanding of what it means to be a follower of God. So she may even be here for all I know. I don't know. She knows where the church is now. So it's just neat to see these opportunities that God is setting up for us. And I'm still emailing back and forth with my Uber driver in California and setting him up with a church back there. So it's really neat to see God at work. And that's really kind of what this series is all about too. It's not just about giving us principles so that we know how to have these conversations, but it's also about teaching us to focus on the main thing. Because there were all sorts of other side trails that I could have taken with this guy. There was all sorts of distraction that we could have gotten into. Why do Christians believe this? Why does the church teach that? but we brought it back to the gospel. And I had every opportunity along the way. And believe me, it's tempting to just take the easy way out and talk about some little side issue and just talk on and on about that because that's where it was going. But to bring it back to the dogma of the gospel, that is where we need to be focusing here. So as we get into some of these questions this morning, let's just keep that in mind. That's the whole purpose of this is to keep the main thing, the main thing to focus on what really matters. Well, let me give you a couple of caveats to this panel discussion that we have. We got a lot of questions. There is no way we're going to be able to cover all of the questions that came in. But it's encouraging to see how engaged you are with this series and how it's stirring up these kinds of questions. Let me just tell you what we're going to do this morning. We're not going to be able to hit on every issue and say, well, this goes in this bucket, this goes in that bucket. What we're going to try to do is pick a few things out that were the most requested topics and issues and wrestle through that a little bit here on stage, kind of speak to these issues. We actually got together earlier in the week and we walked through all of the questions and we wrestled through them there. To, and we're gonna just kind of, kind of give you a version of that so that you can see examples, object lessons, if you will, for how to wrestle through some of these issues and figure out where they go and how we respond but what, didn't to Didn't we them. take two hours to do it the, the other day? Two hours, that's right. We so, won't take two hours. To no, that was the plan. We're gonna, oh, okay. you, you guys are okay, right? We're good, yeah? We'll bring in lunches, you know? (laughs) Yeah, we took, it was more than two hours. It took us a while. So if any of you are interested in that conversation, that needs to happen at another time and not on Sunday morning. But let me start off with an easy one here. And I'm just going to throw out a question and, you know, we can all speak to it. We're going to have a little conversation here and I hope that it'll be beneficial and encouraging to you. Uh, Here's an easy one. How do we apply the buckets to other faith-based groups like Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, Catholics, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses? Real easy to start us off there. Um, you want to take that one? You want to take that one? Yeah, I'll do that one. Now. The uh, if for the buckets when we when someone shares that dogma that this is what it means to be a Christian, then then we stand with them on that. And so if there's another group, another denomination, another church, by the way denominations are made up of congregations, and we're doing this series in a congregation, which matters. One way I would answer that, it's like, well, which Presbyterian church, or which Methodist church, or which Baptist church, because they can be different. Uh, There's a denominational, sometimes doctoral statement, sometimes local churches can be more faithful to uh, what we would call a sound doctrine. But 
where we stand with them together, unified on what it means to be a follower of Christ, that it's not extra stuff you add to the gospel, but it's having faith in Jesus Christ and being transformed by his work on the cross, then we join with them in that, in that union. Yeah, and, and this is where it's great to understand the principles of the buckets because we could come up with many different hypotheticals and situations. What about this person? What about this church? What about this group? Here's what it comes down to. If you believe and teach that the only way to be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ and nothing else, nothing else that you can do. You know, Titus 3.5 says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Ephesians 2.8.9 talks about it not being by works that we do and so that no one can boast. And if you believe and teach that to be reconciled with God, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ and not in anything else that you do, not in, not in the other types of things, might, not in putting money in the offering, not in going to church, not in service, not in, in any kind of other ritual or rite or tradition that a church may tell you to do. None of that stuff is what ha- gives you a relationship with God. And if a church will affirm that, if a, if a congregation will affirm the truth of the gospel with us, then we would say, yeah, they're true believers. Now, some of these names that I mentioned, some of these groups that I mentioned, do not teach that as their dogma. They have a different version of the gospel. Uh, and we would, we would call that false teaching. We would say they are not teaching the gospel truth. Now, could there be people in those organizations that actually are believers and maybe they're ignorant or maybe they're working in there to try to reach other people or whatever it may be? Absolutely. There very well could be. But the official teaching of that church or group or denomination, if it does not line up on the gospel, then they are not teaching the truth about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and be saved and be a true follower of God. But then we get into issues of doctrine. And there are other denominations, let's take Presbyterians or Methodists or Baptists or all these different denominations that are out there, Lutherans, who have different views on different doctrinal points. We would say that where their doctrine differs from our doctrine, as far as they hold a position and we hold an opposite position or something different, we would say we believe they're wrong. This is not about compromising our doctrine ever any way. But we would still say if they agree on the gospel that they're still believers in Jesus Christ. And that's an important distinction to make because sometimes it can be difficult to know how do we reconcile the fact that they claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, believe in God, but they believe something very different about this issue, whatever it is, than my church teaches. What do I do with that? Are they not a believer? Well, they may be. We would just say, we think that they're wrong in this area of doctrine. We would love to teach them in that area of doctrine. Uh, But we have to know kind of how to handle that because otherwise we can end up viewing this as a very black and white issue and just say, well, they disagree with us on this issue, so they're terrible and they're horrible and we're against them and we never do anything with them. And that's just not what Scripture teaches. We have to understand how to prioritize these things and put them in the right buckets. That's the whole point of this. Where would you put beliefs on these issues? The Trinity, hell, biblical inerrancy, believer's baptism, eternal security, and predestination election. Don, why don't you just run through those and put them in there? <laughs> to be recorded on the World Wide Web forever. Exactly. <laughs> Choose your words carefully. Uh, one of the things that's helped me in, in wrestling through those is um, years ago here as part of the staff, uh, I went through um, a formal process of, of um, becoming part of our denomination and so I had to work through these, these different issues. And, and uh, I've read my Bible for years and years and years, but our statement of faith, the ten tenets of our statement of faith, are organized in a way that I had never seen things organized. And so as I worked through those and had to write the paper and had to 
to stand up in front of a panel and, and explain these things. It was very, very helpful for me to understand the Trinity at a much deeper level, to understand hell and heaven and, and the importance of, of the inerrancy of, of our Bible. So I would really encourage you, you all, to, to look on our website and look at our statement of faith. And it's the, it's the EFCA statement of faith. And, and it's so rich and so good. And it was just, it was helpful to me. And uh, I think it would be helpful for you too to understand this is our doctrine. And, um, and unless you understand exactly how our doctrine plays out, I think it's hard to even, to even put things in the right buckets. And to add to that as well, not only is everything in the statement of faith our doctrine, but we would put in the doctrine bucket anything that we hold to as a church as our official position. And so it's not just the statement of faith, it is that, but it's also other positions that we would hold. For instance, this church has adopted the EFCA's statement on marriage and human sexuality. And it's a multi-page document that outlines what we believe and what uh, several churches in the EFCA believe is a biblical position on marriage and human sexuality. And so that would be a part of our doctrine bucket as well. So it's important to understand that this would include anything that we take a position on as a church and say, hey, as a body of believers here, we believe this is truth. And if you disagree with us, we believe you're wrong on this. And, and sin issues go into that, and um, a lot of theological issues go into that, and things that we would take a position on as a church, even outside of the statement of faith. But our statement of faith does speak to a number of these issues, like Trinity and hell and biblical inerrancy and believers' baptism. Uh, that's something that's not, I don't believe in our statement of faith, but it's something we have a position on as a church, that, that we believe, even though there are other EFCA churches that would practice a different form of baptism, not very many, but there are some, and the association allows for that difference. Uh, here, we would say that you need to be a believer in Jesus Christ in order to be baptized, and that's the pattern that we see and scripture. There are a couple issues here like eternal security and predestination and election and some other things like that, some eschatological things, future times things that we would not take a position on as a church and say, you have to believe this in order to be right because we're so sure this is the right thing. There's, there's a lot of different views on that even within this church and we think that's okay. We think that's a fine thing and we don't think that should exclude you from being able to serve here and being able to lead and teach here just because we have some different views on something that you know, is gonna happen in the future after Christ comes or something like that. So it's okay for us to have some differences on some of those things. Again, we're not gonna try to take each individual issue and tell you which bucket it goes in. We're gonna try to give you principles that help us to work through these together. If we try to take each individual issue, it'd be a lot more than two hours. We'd be here all day. Christian living. Let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, we've got a lot of questions about Christian living. A lot of issues where you wanted to know where would we put these kind of issues in what bucket. Um, here are some of the issues that you suggested. Marijuana, reading suggestive books, um, watching certain movies or TV shows. Uh, yoga was one of the ones that was brought up. Living with someone of the opposite gender without being married. Uh, using curse words, wearing certain provocative clothing. Alcohol, which we covered a little bit a couple of weeks ago, playing violent video games, gambling, giving up something for Lent, social justice, lots and lots of different sort of lifestyle Christian living issues that were raised and people wanted to know. And I think what people really wanted to know was, can you just tell me which bucket this goes in? And I, under, I get that, and I would love to be able to do that, but it really involves a conversation. So maybe what we could use is just some principles, and, and maybe I'll kick this over to you, John, some principles for what do, we, what do we do with some of these difficult things that we wrestle with? Should I do this? Should I not do this? If there isn't maybe a clear passage in Scripture that says you shouldn't do this thing. 
What I love about this, this line of questions is it really emphasizes the true truth that we actually do life out of our convictions and preferences. I mean, you know, we're where the rubber meets the road when I'm having my conversations, when I'm getting up in the morning, I'm choosing what I'm going to do with my time. It, we live out of those preference buckets and conviction buckets. But those preference buckets and conviction buckets, as we've been stating through this whole series, flow out of and are deeply connected to the doctrine bucket. And there, there's a, a really cherished doctrine that we hold, the Bible teaches about sanctification is the theological term for it, where when, when the Holy Spirit indwells us, He puts us on a charts a course for us to be growing in, in our Christ-likeness. And that has to impact or come into play when I'm making my daily choices, and these are those daily choices. So I like to keep that anchor, I guess, in that doctrine bucket but then look at these and wrestle with them and where I might differ on a conviction or a preference on one of these issues, that's where I need to be humble. That's where I need to seek the convicting and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in my own life. I have to talk to people around me who know me well and who can be honest with me and challenge me. And I have to be ready to change and to live out that life that the Holy Spirit wants to give me. I think it'd be helpful to just take one of these types of issues and just walk through how do we slice and dice this and get into the nuances because it's, it's not always an easy black and white answer. It's not like we can take some of these issues and just clearly put them in one bucket and say, oh, that's where that issue goes because there are all sorts of other factors involved or other types of activities involved with that. So one of these issues that was brought up by a number of you that I think it's important for us to speak to is the issue of homosexuality and same-sex attraction. What bucket does that go to? Where do you put that um, based on you know, our understanding of God's word and, and based on what we would understand as a church? Um, so I think, I think what I'll do is maybe, John, if you want to speak to that a little bit and I'll speak to it. And Don, if you want to, we'll start over here. Okay. So, the, and this is really so critical. We have to be very diligent and intentional about this in our culture today and, and know what, what's happening. I start with what we believe and it the default would be, let's talk about our doctrinal statement on human sexuality, what we believe about the Bible says about marriage and sexuality, which we get there. I actually also want to make sure we're keeping in mind what the Bible teaches about humanity, the doctrine of man, how God has created us, who we are as people, and the doctrine of sin, not just when I break rules, but the brokenness of our world. And when I look at that way, and I talk about sexuality, I think, wow, what, what is God's highest calling for us in, in our human sexuality? It is to, to experience sexuality uh, between a man and a woman in the context of covenant of marriage. That's God's highest. Anything short of that is missing what God calls us to. And we all have areas in which we struggle in that. Homosexuality, same-sex attraction is one of those areas, one of those fields that we that we see that in. So I like to make sure we're talking, because I don't want, by the way, anyone to be defined by their sexuality. That's why the doctrine of humanity says God actually defines us very differently than just my sexual orientation, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. There's a whole lot more to every one of us. And so that helps me to, to engage in this conversation with people that agree and disagree with preferences, holding the dignity of humanity, the dignity of every person as created in the image of God. That's where I would start. Anything you want to add to that? <laughs> yeah, there's, there, gosh, we could talk about this for so long. Um, let's, let's take the example of being invited to go to a same-sex Yeah, because this is where the rubber wedding. 
meets the road, right? I mean, it's one thing to say, how do you feel about this issue? And, and this issue is, is talked about in our statement about marriage and human sexuality, that marriage is, according to the Bible, between a man and a woman, and in marriage, and sexual intimacy should be in marriage, and anything outside of that is contrary to God's will for us. But then you get into these other issues. So how do you, how do you handle if wow. someone asks you to attend their wedding, and it's a wedding for a homosexual couple, what do you, what do, you do with that? Well, that we have been there, and, and I'm sure... S- some of you have also been there. And um, it's such a tough thing because you can choose to either not go, which creates some challenges, or you could choose to go, which can create other challenges like, oh, well, they must think this is okay. But if you don't go, then, then you, you risk um, losing the relationship. And I think for me, moving forward, and this is, I think, from, from making mistakes, um, moving forward... I think the most important thing you can do is set up a coffee or a lunch or a dinner with the person and just be honest with them. Hey, um, I know you invited me to this wedding and I'm so excited that you would consider me to be one of your friends and value me at that level. I just want to be honest with you on, on how I'm wrestling with this. On one side, I, I want to support you as a friend. On the other side, I'm concerned uh, on how that l- interacts with what I believe as a follower of Jesus, and I just want to be honest and lay it out and have an honest conversation which shows them value and shows them that I love them, that I care for them as a person. And so whether I go or whether I don't go, I have valued them as a person. And I think that that's the piece that, that we can do a lot better on. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And I think it's important for us, too, to just draw some distinction here and some clarity around what we're talking about and kind of where these things would go in the buckets. And just take this sort of, sort of an object lesson for how you have to wrestle through some of these things because they're, they're not easy discussions. And, and you know about, you know, bakers and other people who have had lawsuits over disagreements about issues like this. And should, should you bake the cake? Should you not bake the cake? I think you probably all know the types of instances that I'm talking about. Um, we have to be able to separate some of these issues in order to put them into the right bucket. Does the Bible teach that marriage is to be between a man and a woman and that sexual activity outside of that is against God's plan for us? Yes, that is what we would hold to as a church. And so we would put that in the doctrine bucket. However, when you face a situation like what Don is talking about, should you attend a wedding between two people of the same gender when you believe that that is not God's intention for that. Well, that's not so easy, is it? Because there is nothing directly in Scripture that tells us, by the way, if you have this opportunity and you have a great relationship with this person and you think it might be something where you could end up maybe you know, helping them out and guiding them into truth and, and whatnot, you need to make sure that you go or don't go. You could kind of interpret it both ways. You could say, well, I need to stay as far away from as possible. I can't be seen as endorsing it. Or you could say that relationship matters so much. I'm not going to give that up. I want to show that I'm supportive and I want to love them. Love is what the Bible talks about. That's more important. You can see from both sides there. And so that would be a question about which we would put in more of the conviction bucket, if that makes sense. So part of this issue goes in the doctrine bucket, our position as a church. Part of this goes in the conviction bucket. And we have to be gracious with each other, very gracious with each other when we come down on different sides of this. And not to say, let's, let's say that we have decided that we would never attend a wedding like that, but somebody else in our church does, and we find out about it, 
and then we judge them because we think that they're soft on this issue. We have to be so careful about that, to not apply judgment to other people as if they're soft on a doctrinal issue, on a position that we would hold as being true and important because they had a different convictional issue about something that surrounds that doctrinal issue. Does that make sense? It's really important for us to be gracious with each other and to try as best as we can, it's not easy, but to draw a distinction between what is the clear teaching of God's word as we see it as a church, biblically sound teaching, and what are some nuances of that that are connected to that, but maybe belong in a different bucket. And one thing too that I wanna say about all of this is statistically in this room, there are people here who struggle with same-sex attraction. Of course, there are people who wrestle with that. And I think that we as a church need to acknowledge the fact that every single one of us is born a sinner. Every single one of us is born with a propensity to sin. And some of us are born with different weak points, different types of temptations, different things that are more of a, of a weak point in our armor than for other people. And we need to be very careful not to try to put an issue like same-sex attraction on the same area as same-sex activity. There's a difference there. There's a distinction there. There are great godly men and women who wrestle with same-sex attraction. There are great godly men and women who have wrestled with same-sex attraction as long as they can remember. And some of them have trusted in Jesus Christ and they don't understand why, why they feel the way they do. They don't get it. They, they don't understand why when they look at this type of person of the same gender of theirs that they're attracted to. They don't understand that. They don't remember a time that they ever chose that. It doesn't really matter if they were born that way or not. That doesn't, doesn't matter. All of us are born with a propensity to sin. It makes no difference. The fact is that's a temptation that they struggle with. And some people, after trusting in Jesus Christ, pray and pray and pray and say, God, would you just remove this temptation from me? Would you remove, you know, liken it to Paul, the thorn in the flesh, would you remove this from me? And sometimes God says, yep, you're not gonna have to worry about that anymore. And there are great stories of people who have trusted in Jesus Christ and God has just switched that around for them. Um, and, and he's done that supernaturally. And yet there are many, many times where God has not removed that temptation from people. And so there are godly, listen carefully, there are godly men and women who have been saved for a long time and grow in their faith and have chosen to remain celibate rather than disobey God's commands and principles because they wrestle with same-sex attraction in their life and that's their temptation and God has chosen not to remove that from them. I think we just have to be honest about this as a church. And just say, yeah, we struggle with things. And it doesn't matter whether it's a temptation to lust and, and struggle with an affair or adultery with the person of the same gender or a person of a different gender. We all struggle. We all wrestle. We all have temptations. The goal in this life is not to be able to somehow magically remove all the temptations that we face. The goal is obedience to God no matter what temptations we face. Listen, Jesus was tempted and never sinned. And so there are probably some people here they need to hear that we as a church, we love you even though you struggle with a temptation for something. Because as Jason said earlier, look around you. We all struggle with temptations for something. And we need to love each other in spite of that. It doesn't mean we act on it. It means we obey God even though we have these temptations in our lives. Well, that... I think is probably the best place to end our panel discussion because we just kind of walked through an area together. So thank you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. Yeah, thank them.
We're going to wrap up our service today in a little bit of a different way, but I just want to share something I think is really interesting and, and cool with you as we do this. So I've been studying and researching and developing kind of the buckets of belief model for many, many years. It took me many years to work on this and, and study it and develop it. And I've taught it for a long time in, in different places, different churches. Uh, and of course, throughout history, these types of principles have been taught by theologians and pastors. It goes all the way back to Paul and Jesus who told us to focus on the things that matter most. And all we're trying to do is develop some principles and categories to help us to do that. And this has been done for centuries. There are dozens of different models that have been created over the centuries by different theologians and pastors. This is nothing brand new. But recently, John sent me an article that was really fascinating to me. It was written 25 years ago for the EFCA, and it's titled, Drawing Doctrinal Lines, Where and How. And I just want to read to you an excerpt from this 25-year-old article written for the EFCA. Here it is. Similarly, I would propose that there are at least four levels of theological thought. Again, these are general categories only, and the names attached to them are somewhat arbitrary. Dogma, doctrine, theory, and speculation. Now, you can tell that there's a little bit of difference there, but it's very, very similar. The categories line up very well. And the author of this article that set forth for the EFCA these four kind of categories of theological belief was Mike Andrus, the first senior pastor of this church. Isn't that amazing? Let me continue here. He goes on to say this, the question is, how do we decide which theological views are dogma and therefore indisputable, which are doctrine and thus uncompromisable, which are theory and open to debate, and which are mere speculation and warrant little more than our curiosity? Isn't that kind of amazing? I know it's a little different there, but it's just fascinating that he came up with these four categories, presented this to the EFCA, and here we are 25 years later talking about almost the exact same model with the same kind of definitions for these words, which are somewhat arbitrary. These are just labels that we're trying to apply to these categories to help us live out what the Bible says. I just find that to be absolutely amazing. And now here's my challenge for us as a church. Imagine if we as a church were to just decide that we are not going to allow these secondary issues to be divisive for us. Imagine if we as a church were to include this terminology now in our common language as we talk about things that divide us. Not to ignore things, not to sweep things under the rug, not to not have the conversation, but to put the conversation in the right context. And I've heard many of you do this already. It's been really encouraging when some of you have come up to me and you've brought up maybe a concern that you have or a complaint with something, an issue that you have, and then you go, but I understand this goes in the preference bucket. Man, that's awesome to just have that clarity around what we're talking about so that we understand, hey, I'm not saying that if you don't believe this, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that if you don't believe this, you can't be part of our church. I'm saying this is a personal conviction I have and it's okay if we disagree about this or this is a preference I have. That kind of acknowledgement is so healthy for us to have as a church. And I think it's going to set up with us up with an incredible foundation for the future that we are not going to divide over secondary issues. We're not going to ignore them. We're going to talk about them, but we're not going to divide over them. And I have this picture playing out in my mind of a couple of years from now. Somebody new comes into our church. I've seen this before. You probably have too. Someone new comes into the church and they have very particular views, let's say about a conviction but they don't view it as just a conviction. 
They view it as doctrine, or maybe they view it as dogma. And so they spend some weeks visiting different classes, talking with different people, having people over their house, meeting with them for coffee, whatever it is, and trying to convince them to adopt their particular view about whatever that conviction issue is. And of course, really what they're doing, they wouldn't say they're being divisive, but they're being divisive. They're trying to build a following and gather people to them. Have you ever seen this happen before? I've seen it multiple times. And I just have this scene playing out in my head of them getting so frustrated as every person they talk to in this church says, I think you're putting that in the wrong bucket. I don't think you're prioritizing that where it needs to go. And they just end up saying, forget it. I'm not gonna have any success here in this church because they they don't believe that this rises to that level of importance. And I just love that idea of our church being so united around this idea that we focus on the essentials, our dogma and our doctrine, critically important. We agree to disagree about some things. We get that we have preferences about some things. And a couple of years from now, when somebody comes in and tries to do that, 10 different people tell them, hey, you need to go back and watch these messages because this is part of our DNA here as a church. I just love that vision for us as a church. And I know that some of these issues are, are difficult to wrestle through. And I hope that you could see that up here today, that these are, these are not always clear-cut lines and there are still areas that I'm wrestling with where exactly do I put this issue or that issue. And, and we as elders and pastors and leaders of the church have a lot of issues we need to wrestle through and maybe even kind of put into writing some, some positions on where we stand on some of these things. But you know, the fact that these can be difficult to wrestle through doesn't actually bother me. It doesn't bother me that we don't have clear lines on everything, that we have to study and grapple with some of these things. Because I believe that if God had wanted to make every issue 100% clear to us, he could have done it. He didn't. Well, why didn't he? I think it's because his goal for us was never for us to know as much as he does. I don't think his goal for us was to understand everything he understands. I think that his goal for us was for us to understand how much we need him, how much we need to trust in him and rely on him and each other, how we need to wrestle through these things together and talk with each other and be gracious with each other and accept the fact that maybe we're going to come down on different sides of these things on some of these issues, especially in the conviction area and the preferences area to understand that there are certain things that God has communicated in his word. These are absolutely indisputable. These are dogma. This is the gospel message, the truth of the gospel, and those things that you have to believe in order to be a a true follower of God at all. And there are some things that we absolutely believe are true. But if you're wrong on, you can still be a believer. We're just going to try to teach you where you're wrong on them. And there are a lot of things that many believers and many churches will take out of the conviction bucket and they try to put in the doctrine bucket and say, you have to believe this, what I believe about this issue, whatever that secondary issue is. And and if if you don't understand what I'm talking about, go back a couple weeks and watch the message about convictions. I just love the idea of us as a church having this as part of our DNA and part of our language. And so with that in mind, we're gonna do something a little bit different as we end this service, Um, kind of a time of response here. And I'm gonna ask the band to come back out and join me on stage. And they're gonna play for us quietly at first. And then we're gonna sing a closing song together. But as the band comes out to play, here's what I'd like you to do. Think in your mind. I know a lot of you have talked to me about this. A lot of you have talked about different areas of belief that you have gotten some clarity on over the last few weeks. 
What is something, an issue for you, an area of belief that God has shown you, hey, I've been putting that in the wrong bucket? What is something to where you are realizing, maybe it was a few weeks ago, maybe it's today, wow, I've been treating that preference like it's an area of doctrine, like other people have to agree with my preferences, or I've been treating that conviction like it's an area of doctrine or dogma and thinking, man, if somebody doesn't share my conviction about this area, they, they must not even be a, a believer in Jesus. Or maybe it's the other way. Maybe it's a doctrine that you have not been treating as importantly as it should. Maybe you've been too flippant about something that is clear in God's word and that we would say as a church, yes, this is, this is sin or this is right belief. This is sound doctrine. And you've just been kind of ignoring it. Or maybe it's, maybe it's even the dogma bucket. And you've been thinking there's all this other stuff that you have to do to trust Jesus Christ and be reconciled to God when the Bible says you believe on Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You confess your sins to him. You repent of your sin. You turn that direction and you trust in him. And so whatever it is, would you just take this little card that you were given when you walked in, this undivided card, and just write it on there. One issue, something. It could be a conviction, that you treat it as a doctrine. It could be a preference that you treat it like a conviction or a, or a doctrine. You expected other people to follow along. It could be a dogma issue or a doctrine issue that you didn't treat as importantly enough. But just write, I've got something on here too for me. This is real. Just write, just write one thing on there that God has been revealing to you. I think I may have been putting this in the wrong bucket. And here's what I want to do as we close. It's really simple. I don't want us to walk out of here and forget about this. I don't want us to walk out of here and not have the lasting impact on us of recognizing that, hey, I I need to be careful where I put these belief issues and what I divide with other people over. So I'm just going to ask you, if you would, to come down front, or if you're in the balcony, there are some buckets in the back of the sound booth, and just take whatever that issue is and put it in the right bucket. Whatever it is. As the band plays, just come forward, put this card in the right bucket and just as an acknowledgement to your church family and to God that, hey God, I'm going to put this in the right bucket from now on. I'm not going to misprioritize where this thing goes and I'm going to focus on the things that really matter. And while you're up here, we've got a little gift for you. It's a, a little thing that you can put on your refrigerator or your mirror just to remind you of what the buckets are to make sure that every day you're focusing on what matters most and the back has some questions. So that no matter what issue you face in the future, you can look at these questions and read through it and go, okay, which bucket should I put this in? So as the band plays, just come on down front, be bold, put your card in the right bucket.